We're going to take a quick break from the previous mini-series where we're starting a startup in real time for two reasons. The first, we made some landing pages, we put out some ads, and it's taking some time to get the data back. And like any good startup test, we got a bunch of conflicting responses. We're sorting through them all now and are about as turned around as the weekend in that funhouse mirror at the Super Bowl the other day. That joke will be relevant for roughly another 48 hours, so if you're listening to this after February 11th, I apologize. The second reason? We've gotten a whole bunch of emails in the past month or so that have all basically said the same thing. In short, people need some help. They love the process we talked through here, problem, customer, solution. And they know it's the right way to do it. But for whatever reason, they've got a product already. They know they're doing it backwards. And so they ask us, can that still work? Here's one of my favorite emails. Hey, Brian. I know I need to start by solving a problem, but I already have a product and I want to see if anyone wants it. Specifically, over quarantine, I've perfected literally the best homemade protein bars on the planet. They're paleo and Whole30 and insanely good. The first time you try them is like the first time you hear the Beatles. Also, my best friend and partner was on the operations team for one of the big meal kit services, so we can make this. But the protein bars don't really solve a problem. There are endless healthy snack options and lots of people love RX bars or Lara bars or yogurt or whatever else, and I don't blame them. Those are delicious. So does that mean I just don't have a business selling protein bars because I'm not really solving a problem? How did all those other successful food companies start? We get lots of emails like this, products searching for customers. It's not ideal, but saying it doesn't happen and that you can't make it work would be just sticking our heads in the sand. And just because you don't start with a problem doesn't mean you have to spend your days wandering around lost like the weekend in that funhouse mirror. Again, I'm milking this. I've only got two more days of that joke. There are tactics you can use to back into a problem, to back into a customer. You can find your North Star and then follow it, but you've got to nail the process. So let's nail the process today. It all starts with the two things that every human on this earth wants. We'll get to those two things, and we'll sell some protein bars, all in seven minutes. Not counting the jazzy intro music, of course, you can't rush perfection, but after that music, seven minutes in protein bar heaven. See you there. This is the idea to start a podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job, validate it and build it with us. Learning the skills we'll teach you will, in the words of one of our alums, quote, absolutely change your life whether your startup works or not. We've got our 27th cohort starting March 31st, and you can apply at gettacklebox.com. If you're more interested in learning how to start a startup at your own pace, and you don't want me yelling at you, get your MBA in entrepreneurship at gettacklebox.com forward slash self-serve, all one word. I have another book recommendation for you. I reread this the past week or so, and it was incredibly valuable for me. Mindset by Carol Dweck. I think a lot of us are hitting our third or fourth crash of the pandemic from a work perspective. Mindset is a powerful book that will get you back on track. I'll pop it in the show notes. I'm also listening to Think Again by Adam Grant, which is good. I'm not overwhelmed, I'm not underwhelmed. I'd say so far I'm whelmed, but I'm also maybe only 30% of the way through, so I'll keep you in the loop. Back to it. What's the first step of selling something new? Remembering that everyone in the world every last one of us really only wants two things. First, we wanna to be told stories. And if possible, we'd like for those stories to be about us. 
we definitely want to be able to picture ourselves as the lead character. And second, we want to be chosen. Why is the story of Harry Potter so compelling? It's not because of Ron Weasley. We've been over that. Nobody likes him. It's because there's no more powerful act than someone reaching out and picking you, plucking you from a group and saying, you, you're different, you're special. And because of that, I made you this. So with those two things in mind, how do we sell protein bars? The same way that L.L. Bean sold every kid in my grade in middle school a backpack by putting their initials on it and making them feel special. We need to piece together a story that makes the protein bars we already have make someone feel like we made them specially for them, like we understand them better than anyone else does. There's a process for this. It involves a whole bunch of tests with different potential customers based on a bunch of hypotheses. And then we get to see if anything sticks. There are archetypes and tactics to nail these tests and they're portable. They'll work with whatever you're building. So don't worry if you're not making protein bars. So let's get into it. The first hypothesis I want to test is that the workout from home crew, specifically the Peloton crew, might be a great place to start selling protein bars. Now, how do we tell their story? How do we make them a personalized LLB and backpack? The first tactic we'll use is a powerful one. I call it stacking. We'll stack your product onto something your customer already does to enhance that thing. It'll also remind your customer when your product is relevant. This tactic is pulled from something you might do in your personal life. It's referred to there as habit stacking. If you want to do 15 push-ups a day, attach that habit to a habit you already do, like brushing your teeth or waiting for the coffee, and you'll drastically increase the chances of doing those push-ups, like by 100x. Attaching our protein bars to a specific customer's morning routine is a dream scenario. Let's try it for the wake up early and knock out a Peloton class before work crew. When you're telling a story, the more specific you are, the more details you add that fit your customer, the more it'll resonate. So let's layer on some more details. There's been a mass migration of New Yorkers going to California for the winter, myself included. Along with that comes a bunch of people who still need to keep New York hours. So maybe their workday starts at 5.30 a.m., which means if they're gonna do a morning Peloton ride, it is at the ungodly hour of 4.45. We could test some Instagram ads targeting people in California who follow Peloton, and we can message this specifically to the New Yorkers trying to get a ride in before their first Eastern Standard Time Zoom meeting. Our protein bar, which has no sugars, is paleo, and is Whole30 friendly, is stacked on to the end of that ride, with our message prodding our customer to make sure they don't waste that absurdly early workout. We can say something like eating whole real foods within 30 minutes of a workout maximizes that workout's effect. The goal of any startup ad campaign is to force people to make a decision. We don't have the resources or time for awareness campaigns. I call this the Billy Madison technique because we want our ads to reach out and grab our customers by the cheeks and shake them and ask them, is this for you or is it not? We want them to make a decision. In this case, people who wake up early to work out would likely say yes, whereas most other people will say no, which is exactly what we're looking for. A hell yes or a no. I like this customer and would definitely try another type of test with them too. The second tactic is what we call visual and vanity. A friend of mine worked on the app at Peloton and said the most viewed page by far was the workout page. 
people would spend hours just staring at their own personal output numbers from workouts that they'd done previously. He also told me that tons of people would screenshot those workouts and share them over text or social media. So let's give these people a chance to flex those vanity muscles. We could create a campaign where everyone who scores over 400 on the output scale on a specific Peloton ride on a specific day, which to the non-Peloton people would put them around the top 5% or so of all riders, and then post a picture of that ride in their Instagram stories and tags us, gets a free box of our protein bars. Our messaging will be around the type of person who scores over 400 on a ride. After a ride like that, you need one of these bars to replenish yourself. This gives people permission for vanity, makes it clear the type of product we've got, and assuming everyone who scores over 400 on output is likely a mini fitness influencer, at least in their group of friends, it gets their friends to see the protein bars their fittest friend is eating. If you wanted to go further, and you know I always do, we could force people to send us a screenshot of their 400 output plus ride before they can buy our protein bars. This could be the highly visual badge of honor. You can only eat these bars if you're a plus 400 person on the Peloton. We could say something like our supply is limited, so only the people who will absolutely benefit from it the most, the hardest workers, get access to our protein bars first, for now, at least until we can satisfy all of our demand. Visual plus vanity plus scarcity, a dangerous combo. For this test and a few others, you'd likely need to be ready to ship some boxes of bars, but you'd quickly be able to see if the hub and spoke strategy and the positioning of post a big ride resonated and spread. Next up, categories. Humans are great at dropping new things in categories and assigning all the characteristics of the old category to the new thing. If you say you've got a protein bar, people will drop that mentally into their protein bar category. They'll then assign all the characteristics that they've assigned to every other protein bar they've ever encountered to your protein bar. When you're in a crowded space, that is not going to be a good thing for you. Luckily, you can create your own category. Category innovation is criminally underutilized in the startup space. There's absolutely no reason to play by the rules of the default game. Make up your own game that puts you in the best position to win. I have no interest in competing against RX bar. They're delicious. So let's make sure we get away from that. One simple category shift is form factor. If I shape the protein bar like a cookie and call it a healthy paleo whole 30 cookie, it's suddenly competing against other cookies. And it looks pretty great in comparison because those most likely aren't healthy paleo and whole 30. A second form factor innovation might be separating all the ingredients out and putting them into a pouch and calling it a protein and antioxidant boost for people who eat yogurt most mornings and maybe are a bit bored of just that bland taste. More form innovation. I can put it in a big tin like trail mix and include a scoop and call it a zero preservative, completely natural protein shake. Customers just need to toss it into a blender with a banana and some almond milk. I'm now competing in the world of super highly processed protein powder I'm far more likely to stand out than I would in the much more evolved protein bar space. I can jump into a category based on a specific customer segment too. I happen to be a distance runner and a cyclist, and I know that the goos and other energy pouches that are all filled with sugar and preservatives always give me stomach aches. These are the things you eat for energy when you're a couple of miles into a run or a ride. The Justin's almond butter squeeze pouches are tasty, but they make a total mess. 
form innovation here would be to crumble up your protein bar and put it in a thin pouch that fits in someone's pocket. You could call the bars mile six because that's generally when runners training for longer races need a boost and reach for an energy source. And for all these tests, I'd lean completely into them. Don't take half measures. Don't worry about eventually serving other customers. The goal here is to see who's really into this thing now. So call the product for runners mile six. Call the cookie the healthy cookie. Call the Peloton product the 400 bar. Lean in. The point of categorization is to pick the game you can win and to be purposeful about it and unapologetic about it so you can see who your potential customers are going to compare you against. Then you can stack the deck and make sure that you're going to win. And finally, since we're running out of time, a rapid fire round. We could do business model innovation. Maybe this looks like a monthly subscription where you get four bars a week and position it as a bar cleanse. Compete against juice cleanses and say you've got way more substance. Next, we could leverage inflection points. People who are a month into a diet and simply cannot eat another egg for breakfast. You're the egg replacement. We could go after people who are sick of protein bars and call this the anti-protein bar. We could go after people sick of sweet protein bars and call this the savory protein bar. We could take a page from one of my favorite ads of all time, Burger King and the Moldy Whopper. We've got time for a quick story. About a year ago, Burger King came out with an ad that was a time lapse of a Whopper over 30 days. I'll put it in the show notes if you haven't seen it. Over the 30 days, the Whopper droops and sags. The meat gets covered in mold. The bun turns a bluish purple. The whole burger just gets engulfed. It's gross. Then Burger King tells you that they've removed all preservatives from the Whopper. They say, quote, the beauty of real food is that it gets ugly. Taking a hard stance that these protein bars are made out of real food and leaning into it by saying they expire in two weeks or that they should be kept in the fridge or combining it with a business model and saying, we'll deliver you fresh bars weekly because the bars you get are gonna go rotten creates clear separation. The beauty of this advertising is in what isn't said. Burger King was implying that McDonald's had preservatives. We're implying that any other bar you can get that's, quote, shelf-stable doesn't mold, which means it isn't real food. It's like the story of the old car dealerships that were next to each other. One had a sign out front that said, we sell cars that don't explode after 15 miles. Whew, how'd we do? Did I make it under seven minutes? Close? Not really? We tried. So how do we sell protein bars when we know the product is killer but aren't sure who the customer is? We test and test and test. More messages for more customers than any reasonable human being would ever do. Then we measure and we pick. And once we pick, we double down. This exercise is done to see what stories resonate, who's excited to be picked on the customer side, who already believes the story we're telling and is ready to double down on it with us. If you've got a product already and you wanna find a customer, this is your path. This was the idea to start a podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you liked it, tell a friend. If you loved it, a five-star rating and a review would be unbelievably appreciated. Have a great week.